welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to episode 341 of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And here at the Unpopular Podcast, I'm not really asking you to agree with me. I'm asking you to hear me out. Uh, let me first start by apologizing for not dropping on Saturday. Uh, I had family coming to town. It was a it was a lot of work, but I apologize. We back in effect. Where I'm going to start this episode, of course, is a congratulations to the Denver Nuggets for winning the NBA championship. How one thing that we know about champions outside of one, and we're talking about the NBA, is it takes years in the making to develop a championship. It takes years in the making, and that's why when you hear about young great teams, well, for example, when you when we talked about the Sacramento Kings, and a lot of people did not have the Sacramento Kings beating the Golden State Warriors this year, which of course they ultimately didn't, was because of the newness of the team and the fact of the team not understanding and not knowing just the atmosphere of the playoffs and not knowing exactly how to operate and function with the pressure or in in those high playoff scenarios. Yes, it was the first round, but the playoffs is drastically different from the regular season, from what you hear when anybody talks about the playoffs. When you look at all the teams except one, and the only one that I'm talking about is the 2019 uh, Toronto Raptors. That's the only team that really didn't go through anything or really didn't have a buildup. They got Kawhi Leonard. Uh, Kyle Lowry was great, of course, and he's, he was good for a good number of years. They had Pascal Siakam, Nick Nurse as the coach. They were good. But it really was Kawhi Leonard going to the team that unlocked that team, which, of course, why you have not seen them in the, in the NBA Finals since that year. When we talk about NBA champions, and again, outside of the 2019 Toronto Raptors, you have to go through something. And that's all that's that's ultimately how you can determine who the champion is. And let's look at this Denver Nuggets team. This Denver Nuggets team is about seven, eight years in the making. And we're gonna talk about dynasties in a second. Because what you're hearing now and, and the question that's being brought up is, is this Denver Nuggets team the next NBA dynasty? This Denver Nuggets team has been waiting or has been building up to this moment. This isn't just an overnight success. When we talk about their stars, when we talk about the team in general, when we talk about the coach, this is not an overnight success. There's a reason why the Denver Nuggets look like the drastically better team when you looked at this NBA Finals between the, you know, against the Miami Heat. They were the drastically better team. And it's because it's not just battles, but they had better players. One of the biggest reasons why a lot of people, including myself, kind of doubted and questioned the Miami Heat, I mean, no, not the Miami Heat, the, the Denver Nuggets, is because we've seen this before from them. We've seen them have an incredible regular season. We get to the playoffs, 
you go up, uh, you, you may win a series, you may win two series, you may make it to the conference finals, and then you just fall apart. Whether it's injuries, whether it's just, you know, <laughs> whether it's just you play a better team. This this run was different because when you looked at the Denver Nuggets and you looked at their path to the NBA Finals, they were the dress they they were the better team in every well on paper even they were the better team against the Minnesota Timberwolves. They were the better team against the Phoenix Suns. While yes, Phoenix probably had you know KD and and Devin Booker. They the the Denver Nuggets were a better overall team. When you look at the Lakers, yes, they had LeBron James and Anthony Davis, but they were a better team than Lakers. And of course, you saw the team play dominate in the NBA Finals. the The Denver Nuggets des- deserved to be here. It took. It took shouts out. And when you look, man, there's so many people on this team that you can root for. Of course, you can root for Nikola Jokic, who one of the biggest, uh, he is by far, in my opinion, one of the greatest offensive bigs we've ever seen. I'm not saying he is. I mean, Akeem Olajuwon's up there. Uh, Joel Embiid's up there. Of course, Shaq's up there. But he is one of the best or the most offensively gifted bigs. However, and and you even saw it at the end of it. He is he 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 runs to the beat of his own drum. You know the champ the the confetti, the confetti is falling. He has his daughter in his hand. They they ask him, hey, you know, how do you feel? Job's done. Go home. They ask him about the parade. He said, no, I want to go home. He's not the most marketable person. He just goes and plays basketball and is dominant at what he does. You got Jamal Murray tore his ACL against the Golden State Warriors in what, 2020, I think, or 21. Didn't play at all last year, which I think was a big reason why the Denver Nuggets lost last year because they didn't have that second oomph, that second punch, that second score in Jamal Murray. Very easy to give up on Jamal, especially when you look at the contract that he had. I think they gave him a contract extension, too. And then, boom, got Jamal Murray. Shouts out to the DMV legend Jeff Green. Ish Smith, 13 teams in 13 years. Jeff Green, I think, seven teams in 15 years or something. DeAndre Jordan, the only person from Lob City, or the only person from the historic, well, the trio Lob City, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, and of course DeAndre Jordan. The only one of those three to have a championship now. Uh, Christian Braun won three straight high school championships, then goes and wins the national championship at Kansas, then goes the very next year and wins an NBA championship, a rookie, and was very, very instrumental in the Denver Nuggets winning. Uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope, two-time NBA champion now. There's just so Mike Malone. There's just so many people that you could root for, and that is deserving. Aaron Gordon, fourth fourth overall pick, played on a t- a very dysfunctional team in the Orlando Magic. His career was, 
he, he was pretty much known for his slam losing the slam dunk contest. And now he's a champion and a very pivotal part. Michael Porter Jr. injuries plagued his his college career at Miss U. Falls all the way to I think like 18th or something, where the Denver Nuggets pick him up. It's there's just so many people that you could root for, and this Denver Nuggets team was by far the best team in the East. And throughout this entire playoffs have been by far the best team in the playoffs, which ultimately. And and you know, the thing about the NBA finals, and this is kind of why a lot of people don't like the NBA finals or the NBA playoffs in general. I'm not one of those people, but one of the biggest reasons why March Madness is so popular is because, of course, it's the one and done, but. Any team can win on any given day. While, yes, you have favorites and you have teams that are great, you they could lose. For instance, Purdue losing to, was it Florida, um, FIU or something. Florida, or the, the Purdue was a number or number one overall seed in their bracket. Or Kansas losing, or <laughs> it doesn't. Yes, the rankings matter as far as where you're seated and everything, but you can lose in any given day. Any given day, and people enjoy the suspense and the the one and done feel. In basketball, nine times out of ten, the best team is going to win. You have now, yes, injuries can happen and injuries can obviously shape a series and and completely change a series. Yes. uh, Elements that we can't fathom or we can't foresee could happen, like, for instance, Clay Thompson just forgetting how to shoot against the Lakers or Jordan Poole just being completely awful in the playoffs. Or Chris Paul going, well, we can kind of see that, but Chris Paul going down, what, game one or two in the playoffs? Or uh, Jason Tatum twisting his ankle two minutes into the game in a game seven. Of course, things like that can happen. But ultimately, the best best team's going to win. The best team in this series is going to prevail. And as we saw, in the, the reason why I originally picked Denver in six is because I thought that they were going to lose game one because they were sitting as long as they were sitting. And I thought that not only were they going to lose game one, they were going to lose one in Miami. I gave Miami too much credit. <laughs> so shouts out to Denver. They were. By, they they even they were just a bigger team, better team. Even Eric Spolster said it. They were the Denver Nuggets. They were the better team. So congratulations to the Denver Nuggets. Now, I want to extend this conversation into the dynasty conversation because a lot of the conversation you're hearing today and tomorrow and moving forward until probably next year is is this. Denver Nuggets team, the next dynasty in basketball. 
And in order to do that, or in order to determine that, a couple things have to happen. But, of course, we don't know in the future. So let's just dissect this Denver Nuggets team compared to three other dynasties. The Spurs dynasty, the Golden State Warriors dynasty, and the Chicago Bulls dynasties. And what you'll see is every single dynasty that we've had in the NBA have drastic commonalities. When you look at a dynasty, what does a dynasty need? They need a star player. Michael Jordan. Tim Duncan. Steph Curry. They need a solid number two. Scottie Pippen. You could say Manu Ginobili. Clay Thompson. They need incredible fortune. Being able to draft Michael Jordan, being able to draft uh, Scottie Pippen. being able to draft have David Robinson then draft Tim Duncan then hit on the draft with Tony Parker then hit on the draft with Mono Ginobili then hit on the draft with Kawhi Leonard and of course hit on the draft or or, or just cont- Tim Duncan staying hitting on Steph Curry after the Minnesota Timberwolves Pick two point guards before Steph Curry. Steph Curry having a bunch of ankle injuries. Drafting Klay Thompson. Drafting Draymond Green. You're able to, because of Steph Curry's ankle injuries, you don't have, you can't, you get a very favorable deal for your team, which allows you to get Andre Gudala, which allows you to get Kevin Durant. You also hit on a, an incredible Jordan Poole run. You also, if you're a dynasty, you also need smart organization. You need a smart, well-run organization. The Bulls was an incredible, even though they were trash before Jordan, but during Jordan's era, they were a well-run franchise. Until, of course, the end. Same thing with the with the Spurs and, of course, Golden State. You know about Joe Lakeup and you know about Bob Myers. Oh, and you have to have a good coach. Phil Jackson, Greg Popovich, Steve Kerr. Now let's look at this Denver Nuggets team. You have to have the star player, Nikola Jokic. You have to have a quality number two, Jamal Murray. You have to have some incredible luck. You draft Nikola Jokic in the second round. You get Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray hurts himself or tears his ACL. You also get Aaron Gordon to come to your team. And you get solid, solid moves. You make solid moves getting Bruce Brown, getting Jeff Green on the vets minimum, I believe. I'm not... I'm not 
Another key aspect, of course, to a dynasty is winning. You have to win multiple times. So I'm not as far, I'm not going to go as far as to saying that this Denver Nuggets team is a dynasty yet. But what I will say is all the components that have made the dynasties that we've seen in the NBA, the Denver Nuggets have. There was no way that you could look at that team and think to yourself, yo, you know, it's, you know, it's, you know what the beauty of the Denver Nuggets and, and what we saw throughout this entire playoffs is that it could be somebody else. Well, yes, Nicole Jokic is going to be Nicole Jokic. Aaron Gordon was, if it, if Nicole Jokic wasn't great averaging 30 points in the finals, I would have given finals MVP probably to Aaron Gordon. You also have Jamal Murray, who averaged like 21 points in the finals. Christian Braun, who's a rookie, came in and gave big minutes and, and big energy to the team, especially when they were down. Bruce Brown was one of the best Swiss Army knives in, in basketball to right now. Again, I, I think winning, I know we're, we're quick and I, and I understand, too, we're quick to say that this is the next dynasty because everything that has made dynasties in every component that we've seen in dynasties, the Denver Nuggets have right now. Now, yes, a lot of things can happen. The, the Bruce, Bruce Brown can leave. Um, so injuries could happen again. You never know. There has to again, I said there has to be luck to a dynasty, but. The Denver Nuggets today have all the components that we've seen out of a team that looks like they could be a dynasty. So, again, congratulations to the Denver Nuggets for winning this year's NBA championship in dominating fashion. There's a lot of things that you can say about this, man. You can tell duos. We always a lot of things that we a lot of times we like to talk about who's the best duo in the NBA. Um, Jamal Murray and Nicole Jokic is definitely up there. Of course, right now they probably stand at the top because they just won a championship. But when we talk about that, man, it it <laughs> we always talk about Stephen Clay. We always talk about LeBron and AD. We always talk about Jason Tatum and and Jalen Brown. We always talk about uh, now Kevin Durant and and Devin Booker, Nicole Jokic and Jamal Murray. For sure should be on that list and probably should could be number one. We also talk about, you know, Giannis and Drew Holiday. Oh, no, Giannis and Chris, uh, Chris Middleton. We talk about Jamal, uh, Joel Embiid and James Harden for, for right now. But, yeah, right, Jamal Murray and, and Nicole Jokic is probably up there. They're probably number one on that list. I mean, I don't know how they can't be. So... Congratulations to the Denver Nuggets for winning the NBA championship. Well-deserved. Let's talk about the losing team for a second. And you know what this NBA Finals proved? It proved you have to have a great culture to win an NBA Finals. 
But just because you have a great culture doesn't ultimately mean you're an MB, you're a you're a finals you're a championship contender. Let me let me let me stretch that out for you. The Denver Nuggets have a great culture right now. If you look at every single championship team that we've seen, let's just go the last four or five years. All of them have great cultures. The Bucks, the Golden State Warriors, the Lakers, Denver, all have great cultures. The Miami Heat, well, let's let's stay on this. All have great cultures. However, there has to there's something else that has to you have to have more than just a great culture. You have to have a great culture, but you have to have more than that. You have to have the star player playing like a star player. Steph Curry, Nikola Jokic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard. You have to have they have to be playing like a star. You have to have the team. You have to have the solid number two that's that's going crazy. You have there's there's multiple things that need to happen for you to win a championship. However, what you do need is a championship winning culture or or a good culture to lean on. The Miami Heat have a great culture. But as we've seen and clearly right now, it is proven that just because you have a great culture does not mean that you're a championship caliber team. Yes, I know that they made the NBA finals, so of course they're a championship caliber team. But when you looked on the floor, when you looked at each game, when you looked at this entire series, there was not one time. Not once, even the game that the Miami Heat won. There was not one time where I thought to myself, the Heat could win the series. Not one. And again, this is after I saw the Heat win in Denver. I felt more confident about Denver after that that Heat win than I did than I did before. There has to be so many things that go right. Other than or on top of having a good culture and it didn't seem like it went right for the Miami Heat. Jimmy Butler, of course, made news yesterday or the day before when he came out and said that if he or they asked him a question, he answered if he doesn't care about making the Hall of Fame and if he were to make the Hall of Fame, he would not go to the ceremony. Or the festivities around the Hall of Fame. He was pretty much saying he doesn't like individual awards, you know. I'm uh, if we look at Jimmy Butler's career to this day, just right now, I don't think he's done enough to go in the Hall of Fame. Jimmy Butler is a great player, don't get me wrong, but I just don't think he's done enough to make in the Hall of Fame. So you ain't got to worry, at least right now, you ain't got to worry about <laughs> declining or not. I don't think you're going to make it. And that's not a shot at Jimmy Butler, but it, it, it's a, it, it highlights a bigger point of Jimmy Butler in this Miami Heat team. A lot of people question why I did not call 
Jimmy Butler a hall uh a superstar. I was on the boat that Jimmy Butler is not a superstar. Very hard being on that boat when you're averaging 37 points against the number one defensive team in the league in the Bucks, and then of course ultimately beating the Celtics. But I was on that boat saying that Jimmy Butler is not a a superstar because in the my in the in the NBA Finals proved it to me. Or let me not say proved it to me because I already felt that way. It it added ammunition ammunition to my argument. There's a difference between a star and a superstar, and the difference is how do you show up when you're needed? And not just that, because everyone can have a bad game, but how consistent are you when you are needed in those situations? Nikola Jokic averaged 30 points a game in the finals. He became, what, the first player in NBA history to lead the playoffs in points, I think, assists and rebounds out of everyone. He was number one in every single category. Or all three of those categories. Even when he had a bad game, superstars' bad games look different than others. A Steph Curry bad game looks drastically different than a Jordan Poole bad game. A LeBron James bad game looks drastically different than Austin Reeves bad game. There were multiple times in this finals that Jimmy Butler wasn't aggressive. Jimmy, it seemed like he was kind of hiding from the ball, maybe because he was tired, maybe he was he was gassed, I don't know. But it just, there was multiple times when the Miami Heat needed him to step up. And hell, I was shocked. There was multiple times where Bam Adebayo, the person that I said was the key for this champ, key for Miami Heat to win a championship, he stepped up a lot of times. I actually think he had a really good NBA Finals. However, when your star player does not or did not have a good finals, you know. So that's why I think I, I, I will go down the hill and say or I will die on the hill saying at least right now, Jimmy Butler is not a superstar. He has superstar talent. We've seen that. But there's a this it's crazy how he's drastically different from the regular season than he is in the postseason. Or when you need him the most, the last few playoff runs from the bubble, while he had a couple incredible, well, he had a, he had like one or two incredible game uh finals games in the bubble. He ultimately, you know, towards the end, he just ran out of gas. Same thing happened last year against the Celtics. Even though they were, you know, game seven, he missed the shot. And, of course, going against the Denver Nuggets. I understand when you have, you know, you have Aaron Gordon and Bruce Brown guarding you. That's tough. But, again, superstars and stars are two different things. 
So, and, and let's get back to the original point, and let's get back to the entire team and how the Miami Heat have a great culture, but that doesn't ultimately mean that they're a championship-caliber team. And also, just because you make it to the NBA championship doesn't mean that you're a championship-caliber team. Because, again, the NBA Finals, and it's going to, it's going to expose you for who you are. One of the biggest reasons why the Boston Celtics didn't win last year is because they kind of like how they lost this year. They were die, live by the three, die by the three. They start, they stopped making it in, you know, they're, they're a high turnover team. Well, when you're a high turnover team and you're, and you're going against a team that thrives on scoring off turnovers and also has the greatest shooter of all time, you know what I'm saying? There's a reason why they make a big point to say that players like Max Struess or Gabe Vincent or Caleb Martin or actually maybe not Caleb Martin or um, Duncan Robinson. There's a big reason why they emphasize the fact that they're undrafted because undrafted players aren't supposed to be key contributors for a team. It, it kind of goes back to the great culture. The great culture of Miami has turned Gabe Vincent into a key contributor for the Miami Heat, has turned Max Struess into a key contributor for the Miami Heat, has turned Duncan Robinson to, for, uh, to a key contributor for the Miami Heat. But on the flip side of that coin, when those three are key contributors or someone like Gabe or Caleb Martin's a key contributor and they don't perform. Then you get what you got in the finals. There were multiple games where the Struess, Duncan Robinson, and Vincent combined for under ten points. There was that that happened multiple times in this finals. While yes, Gabe Vincent was probably the best and most consistent out of those three. When when you those three are playing big minutes and only combine, and if you want to, you can add Caleb Martin that too. Four players are combining for less than ten points. I think this is a big offseason for the Miami Heat if they want to keep and stay in this. If they want to stay in this realm of we're good enough but or we're good enough to make some noise in the playoffs, but I don't think I, – I don't I, – look, I don't I, – I don't think that they would have – I don't think Miami Heat would have beat, of course, Denver. I don't think they would have beat – the Lakers. I don't think they would have beat Golden State. I honestly don't think they would have beat the Sacramento Kings. They, you know, do they want to stay in this realm? You hear um, Brian Windhorst say that they're going big star hunting, which they need to, in my opinion, because we it has been proven that Jimmy Butler, I don't think, is a star that can carry you to a NBA championship. He can carry you to a finals. I don't think he can carry you to a championship because he is not a superstar. And one thing about the NBA, that it is a superstar-driven league. And while you have to have a lot to win a championship, one thing that every champion has had is a superstar. The one team that has not had a superstar was the Detroit Pistons in, what, 2004, 3, 4? 
They did not have a superstar. They had Chauncey Billups. They had Rip Hamilton. They had uh, Ben Wallace, Rasheed Wallace. They had those players, but they did not have a superstar. That's the one team in NBA or that I can think of in NBA history that didn't have a star or a superstar at the time. This Miami Heat is a good the Miami Heat is a good team. Don't get me wrong. But when you're going up against a team that has everything history has shown to win championships, you're going up against a team that has all the components. And you look over and you're looking at a Miami Heat team that have very much none of the opponents or components. It looks it looks away. Now, yes, I understand that the Miami Heat were was leading, you know, towards the end of the game. But there's a reason why that we're they're done. <laughs> It was a good finals, you know. It showcased two, well, at least one team that you don't really see too often in, in the Denver Nuggets. That isn't the most glamorizing place as far as NBA destination. Going up against a team that has had the culture, but maybe not had the players since LeBron James and Dwayne Wade. So... This and and I'm, I don't mean to to put the nail in the coffin, but Jimmy, this this proves, in my opinion, why Jimmy Butler is not a superstar. Because when a superstar is needed the most, they usually show up. Jimmy Butler did not. So let's move on. As I'm recording this, the Golden Knights are set to play the Panthers in game five or game five of the Stanley Cup finals. And the Golden Knights are currently up 3-1 against the Panthers. What I think when you watch the Stanley Cup finals, it is very apparent that both of these teams are drastic or how do I say this? Both of these teams. The Goldens the, the Golden the Vegas Golden Knights are are just a better team. We talk about Cinderella Run. You we talked about Cinderella Run when we talk about the Miami Heat. And there was this has been a Cinderella run for the Panthers. You know, you beat the Boston Bruins, you beat the Toronto Maple Leafs, you beat the Hur- uh, Hurricanes, all great teams, all teams that have, if at one point in another at one point or another in this Stanley Cup playoffs were favored to win it all. You beat them all. Also, you beat them, you beat the Bruins being down 3-1. But it it looks like two drastically different teams in the Stanley Cup Finals. The Panthers look tired. They look slow. Their best player 
and Matthew Kachuk seems like the only player that that has been consistent and come to play. And he's I, he is he. I don't know if he plays or not, but right now it's he's uncertain. They're uncertain he's going to play. Um. And while yes, the, the the Panthers have come back from a three-one deficit against the the Boston Bruins, this feels different. I don't know if the Golden Vegas Golden Knights are going to win uh, Game Five because again, I'm recording before Game Five. But this this series feels over. This series feels that feels like the Panthers, their luck, <laughs> lack of a better term, luck has run out. It feels like they have ran into a team that is just firing on all cylinders when the Panthers are not. Which is crazy that I feel both Florida teams are going to lose six or going to lose in five. But. The Vegas Gold Knights have been the better team. They've the, the and it's been a collective effort. It's not just Jack Eichel. It's been the entire Vegas Gold Knights. And for the Panthers, it's really just been Matthew Kachuk and nobody else has really come to to play consistently. At least in the Stanley Cup Finals. So again, I'm not going to stay on it too long because it hasn't happened yet right now. But I believe that. The next time we talk about the Vegas Golden Knights, they will be Stanley Cup Finals champions. So, let's move forward. Let's move over to uh, UFC for a second. One thing I know. And one thing that you've heard, it's not, not, let me not say I know, but one thing that you've heard on a consistent basis is when a, you don't play box, you don't play fight as far as professional. It has to be all or nothing. And when you start hinting and you start talking about retirement, that's usually the time when it's, 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 it's over. Now we're going to talk about it boxing in a second, but it's over. And Amanda Nunes, who is currently 35 years old, announced she retired from the sport of UFC, from the UFC. Amanda Nunes is 23 and 5. She let me just read off some, not all, but some of her accomplishments. She has the most most UFC title fights amongst a woman in 11. She has the most wins of USC women's bantamweight championship fights. Uh, first woman in UFC to win two titles, banter and featherweight, and, and to also hold them simultaneously. First fighter in UFC to defend titles in two divisions while holding both titles simultaneously. She is a sixth multi-divisional champion in UFC and third to hold two titles simultaneously. Fourth longest single UFC title reign of all of title reign of all time behind Demetrius Johnson, George St. Pierre and Anderson Silva. 
she's tied Cyborg for most wins in UFC Women's fe- uh, Featherweight Championship fights. Longest combined UFC title reign of all time. She's tied with Anderson Silva for fourth and most title wins in UFC history. Most cons- man, most consecutive wins in UFC women's history at 12. Most knockout wins in UFC women's bantamweight division history with six. Most wins in UFC women's bantamweight divisional history with 13. Most consecutive wins in UFC, in UFC women's bantamweight divisional history with nine. Most knockouts in a UFC women's bantamweight division history. Oh, and she was the female fighter of the year in 2018 and 2019. When you know when, when it's when Amanda Nunes, of course, she's dealt with what a leg injury multiple times. But when you know it's time to go, it's time to go. Now, she went out on top, which I I love to see. I love to see you going out on top. And she won her fight against, was it Irene Aldana? I know I messed your name up. I apologize, but. She put her two belts on the floor, put her in, in, and announced her retirement. She will go down as not just one of the greatest women's UFC fighters ever, but one of the greatest UFC fighters ever. You have to put her in the in the, you know, George St. Pierre, Anderson Silva, uh, John Bones Jones. You have to put her in that class. Because when we talk about women's sports when we talk about the women's side of UFC it would not be not just as popular but it wasn't it wouldn't be what it is today if it wasn't for the greatness of Amanda Nunes again a lot of those a lot of those accolades I rang off weren't first of all weren't wasn't all of them but she she rivals a lot of she does she's done a lot of things that a lot of men have not done now i understand that you know she juliana uh what juliana pena she was supposed to fight her for the trilogy and pena has come out and pretty much say she nunez is a coward and because they they didn't complete the trilogy of course nunez has one win and uh pena pena has another but when it's time, I mean, when you know, you know, and especially if you're the last person to win, of course you're we're, you're you're we're on my time. So, shouts out to the man in Nunez. Shouts out for an incredible, incredible career. And I think everyone, especially in the mixed martial arts fighting realm, understand and know that. The UFC in general, 
wouldn't be as popular as it is today, especially in countries like like Portuguese, like Portugal. If it wasn't for Amanda Nunes, not saying she's the only person, but she is one of the greatest UFC fighters to ever fight. And at the time, she has ranked she's ranked number one in UFC women's pound for pound rankings of congratulations to Amanda Nunes. Let's move forward. I've said before that This era is the player empowerment era. In fact, it's been that way for a minute now. But we've seen it a lot. Mostly we've seen it in the NBA. Of course, a lot of people want to say it started with LeBron James and the whole decision. But I kind of think it started with the Boston Celtics and their big three. And, of course, Kevin Garnett forcing his way to the Celtics as well as Ray Allen forcing his way to the Celtics with Ray John Rondo and Paul Pierce. But since that time, it's pr- the player empowerment era in the NBA has been strong. Now you see people like Kevin Durant you know, going to Golden State, then going to Brooklyn, then going to uh, Suns. You look at everything that Kyrie Irving's doing. You look at the, this is the player empowerment era. Or yeah, this is the player empowerment era for basketball. It hasn't it hasn't really matriculated down to football because you know it, of how tough it is for you know to get contracts, to get second contracts. How tough it is to you know the franchise tag and and most of the contracts are geared to be team friendly before player friendly. It, it's it's just been tough to really spearhead the player empowerment era for the NFL. But what we're starting to see is, you know what it takes? It takes a big name. It takes a big big name to really spearhead the player empowerment. Again, it took Kevin Garnett, who was one of the top players at the league at the time. It took Ray Allen. It took LeBron James. Uh, Kawhi Leonard did it. it. It takes a big name to really spearhead that. And in the NFL, the only player I can really think that started it was probably, I don't know, Kirk Cousins maybe? That's not a big enough name. What we're seeing from Saquon Barkley, holding out of minicamp, well, I'm sorry, holding, you know, holding out of mandatory training camp because he wants a deal. He saw Daniel Jones get a deal, and, of course, they tried to franchise tag Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley did not sign the franchise tag and now and now is sitting out. Here's the situation. Here's the issue with all this going on right now with Saquon Barkley and the Giants. There's issues on both sides. 
let me speak on the Giants issue. The Giants issue is you. I understand that this is a quarterback-driven league. I get that. However, you should also prioritize your best player. Because your best play, while yes, it's a quarterback-driven league, but let's be honest about something. Daniel Jones is not. You know what it is? It's a quarterback-driven league for the top teams that have a top quarterback. When we talk about the Chiefs, when we talk about the, the, the Bengals, when we talk about the Bills, when we talk about now the Jets, when we talk about, you know, the, the top, the, the Philadelphia Eagles. Yes, it is a top, it's a quarterback-driven league, but those are really the only quarterbacks that can kind of win you a championship. The, the Patrick Mahomes, the Josh Allens, the Lamar Jacksons, the Joe Burrows, Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert. Those are the quarterbacks that's going to win you a championship or win you a Super Bowl, could win you a Super Bowl. When you don't have that, then you should have to prioritize your best player because for those teams, no question, their best player is the quarterback. But what, what when you look at like the Tennessee Titans, your best player is, of course, obviously Derrick Henry. When you look at the Los Angeles Rams, while, yes, Matthew Stafford's good, your best player is obviously Aaron Donald. When we look at the Giants, while, yes, Daniel Jones had an incredible year last year. But even in his incredible year, it got them to the second round of the playoffs. And they got embarrassed by the Eagles. However, Saquon Barkley is and has been their best player. I understand, you know, due to injury, he was kind of, you know, he, he didn't have the best year prior. But Saquon Barkley had an incredible year last year. Last year, the regular season, he rushed for 1,300 yards. This is a regular season. 1,300 yards, 10 touchdowns, and he caught for, I think, 338 yards. Saquon Barkley is a top running back in the league. So I understand that as a top running back in the league and you're looking like, how are you going? Same thing that happened with Lamar Jackson. How are you going to franchise tag me when I see you pay? While, yes, it's a quarterback-driven league. It's only that when your quarterback is a top-tier quarterback. Daniel Jones is not that. So... You gave your money to Daniel Jones thinking that Saquon Barkley was going to be cool with getting franchise tag, and that has not been the case. You also, and Dexter Lawrence is probably their second best player, you also paid Dexter Lawrence. So it was like everyone around you is getting paid but you. And you're arguably their best player. So now the Giants have put themselves in a dilemma. How, what do you do? Do you acquiesce and pay the player? Or do you let him sit out? Here's the problem on Saquon Barkley's side, however. And we're seeing this with Delvin Cook. We're seeing this with Ezekiel Elliott. We're seeing this now with Derrick Henry because his names are in trade talks. 
in sports, the game is supposed to is the game is inevitably inevitably going to involve evolve. It happens in every single sport. Let's look at hockey, since we just talked about the Vegas Gold Knights. Look at let's look in hockey. In hockey, players are bigger, faster, stronger. Uh, the the equipment is better. It 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 evolved. In basketball, the game started with what eight teams. Now there's thirty. And if you look. Look at the players now. Look at the kid. Look at look at the high school kids now compared to what they were just let's say ten years ago. The game is going to evolve. In football, the game is involving or evolving into a quarterback wide receiver pass 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 game because people want to see passes. People want to see incredible pass, uh, catches. People. They, they, you know, of course, you you get more distance throwing the ball. So the wide, the running back market has already been has the running back market has always been tough because of the life expectancy, football life expectancy, not not the football life expectancy for a running back is is very short because of the just the the brute force and the brute beating that your body takes on a daily basis is unlike any other position. So you see, you know, once they get to that thousand rushes mark, it it starts to go downhill. And while no, I don't think Saquon Barkley is going downhill, the the market for the wide or running backs is not what it used to be. There's you know, the, it used to be a running, your running back could be your best player. When we talk about Terrell Davis, when we talk about, you know, uh, Emmett Smith, Barry Sanders, um, the bus. Gone are those days. And if you really think about it, Barry Sanders didn't even win a championship. But Emmett Smith had Troy Aikman and, and Michael Irving. Terrell Davis, he had... Shannon Sharp, he had, uh, was it, uh, why am I blanking on this man's name? Mm, blank on the man's name. When you look at uh, Jerome Bettis, he had Big Ben. I think that Saquon Barkley is right to hold out. I just don't know what the outcome is going to be because of, or I don't know how successful the outcome is going to be for him because of the market that isn't, is the market for running backs and teams are going to lean on. We'll look at, look at, look at the market. How are we going to, and that's another thing. Well, and that's what makes this situation different than Lamar Jackson's situation. If you look at the market, the market is constantly changing for the better when we talk about quarterbacks. And like I said, when it happened, I think Jalen Hurts getting his deal ultimately sealed the fate and helped Lamar Jackson get his. When you look around, you don't see anyone making you don't see any running back really making big money outside of Derrick Henry. And they're ready. They're they're He's in trade talks right now. When you look at other running backs is making big money. Look at. 
Delvin Cook. I don't even think he's on a team right. Dalvin Cook. He's on. A, he's not on a team right now. Ezekiel Elliott. He's not on a team right now. I mean, yes, you can say Nick Chubb, but Nick Chubb isn't making that much money either. So, I I respect and I'm all and I say this all the time. I'm all about players getting what they feel they deserve. I'm all up for that, and I and I I want that to happen. I just don't know how this is going to turn out because the market is so lack of a better term drive for the wide or running back position and Saquon Barkley deserves to be a a top paid player for his position but what is a top paid player for his position and is that are the Giants going to be the team to give it to him because I think there's going to be a lot of suitors if you know he doesn't report to to the team or they, they don't get a deal done I just don't know the type of money you th- he's he's really going to get. Because he was drafted in 2018. And for a career, even after being injured, he has 4,249 yards rushing. 1,820 yards receiving. 29 touchdowns. It's only, it's only four fumbles. So... I, I am interested, in th- and I think this is going to play a big – and not just that, man. It, you see this around the league. Like I said, it's a player empowerment league. You're seeing P- Patriots players holding out. And there's just a report that uh, Stephon Diggs didn't report to uh, mandatory training camp, or at least day one of mandatory training camp for the Bills. So it's, it's, it's just players are now in football are starting to tr- – you know. You, it's 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 been for, it really started with Le'Veon Bell as the big name big big name player, um, but as far as recent memory, now you're looking at Lamar Jackson and now Saquon Barkley. Uh, hey, bro, do what you got to do. You try to get to to get as much money as you feel you deserve. I just hope that a team. I mean. I hope the Giants do the, do the right thing, seeing as though they paid Daniel Jones and Dexter Lawrence. Hopefully, they do the right thing for Saquon. So, we'll see. All my life, and we'll move on. All my life, there has not been a a tennis player in my life that I remember being better than Roger Federer. Um, Roger Federer was the 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 creme de la creme. He was the the cream of the crop when we talked about men's tennis for the longest. Which is why, you know, I he I, I was of course and I'm still for the most part a novice when it comes to tennis. But Roger Federer was for the longest was the face of men's tennis. Yes, I understand there was there was great names, you know, Andy Murray, the the, the Arthur like I get it. But the current athlete for as long as I can remember that was the face of tennis, that was the face of men's tennis was Roger Federer. And then of course, you saw Rafael Nadal come. Then you saw Novak Djokovic come. And that has since the whole Roger Federer uh, popularity balloon 
has obviously diminished, seeing as though he's retired. And just when you see how great Nadal and Djokovic is, it, it you know, it, it there's no, there, if you just look at accomplishments, there's no question that Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic are, are probably better than Rafael or Roger Federer. And of course, this is coming off the backs of, or this is coming off the back of Novak Djokovic winning the French Open, which is his twenty-third Grand Slam, most of all time from a man, uh, from a male, pretty much beating out or edging out Rafael Nadal, who had that that um, that title for the longest. I think it's incredible that when you look at all sports. Or when you look at, yeah, when you look at all sports that we, and this is a day and age where we could be watching the greatest of all time in in multiple sports. When we talk about, uh, we talk about basketball, a lot of people can argue it's either between Michael Jordan and LeBron James. And of course, we're watching LeBron James play. Now, yes, the end of his career is closer than the beginning of his career, but the, the career that LeBron James has had we can argue he is the greatest of all time when we talk about baseball a lot of people can argue that when it's all said and done Shohei Otani or Aaron Judge could place themselves in greatest of all time conversations I'm not saying that they're in it but just the sheer talent that we're seeing show that we're seeing from Shohei Otani the sheer power and, and the hitting ability that we're seeing from Aaron Judge, they could be considered one of the greatest of all time when it's all said and done. In football, we just saw Tom Brady. However, we're also watching Patrick Mahomes, and Patrick Mahomes has the skill set. Now, of course, I don't think he's going to reach the Tom Brady level of winning, but people can question, when we talk about talent level, people can question if 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 Patrick Mahomes is the greatest of all time in golf, I mean, in tennis, the question right now we can question is Novak Djokovic, the greatest tennis player of all time, seeing as though he just won his record 23rd grand slam more than anybody. And of course you can argue Rafael Nadal's in that Roger Federer. This is just a, 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 a an incre- hell hockey. Now, yes, Rain, Wayne Gretzky is Wayne Gretzky when we talk about hockey, and right now, it's it's pretty much no argument that Wayne Gretzky is the greatest hockey player of all time when we talk when we at, talk hockey. But a lot of people at the at the end of his career, Connor McDavid can be the closest thing, if not better than Wayne Gretzky. I don't think he's going to reach. The, the the Stanley Cups that Gretzky has reached. When we talk about sheer talent, when we just talk about the player, at the end of his career, a lot of people can say, or the, a conversation could be had is, of, is Connor McDavid the greatest hockey player of all time? So it's just a beautiful era for sports, man. Hell, we just saw in the women's women's tennis and, and Serena Williams, of course, in golf, it's pretty much, in my opinion, been Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson's up up there, Roy McIlroy's up there. Of course, we have uh, 
Arnold Palmer. We have uh, Jack uh, Nicholson. Not Jack Nicholson. <laughs> we have, uh, what's it, Nicholson, I think. What I'm saying is this is a beautiful time for sports because you're getting to see in multiple sports, in multiple arenas, you're getting to see a player or players, whether at the end of their career, whether in the middle of their career, whether the beginning of the career, we're seeing players that could go down as the greatest of all time in their respect to sports. And that can be the same for no. And this, of course, can be said for Novak Djokovic. He could be the greatest male tennis player we've ever seen. And, of course, this is coming off the backs. And, again, congratulations to Novak Djokovic for winning his 20, uh, 23rd Grand Slam, which is the most all-time from a single player on the men's side, winning the U uh, French Open. So, And lastly, before we go, we talked about Saquon Barkley. And we talk about the player impairment era. And don't get me wrong, man. It's it's not just basketball and now football. It's all sports. Tiafo Lopez is 25 years old. And he is 19 and one in his career. Tiafo Lopez also announced his retirement from boxing after beating um was it John after beating John Taylor yeah or Josh Taylor I apologize Tiafo is one of the best um one of the best fighters in in the light uh light welterweight, you know, one of the best fighters in in boxing. One of the top fighters in boxing, definitely one of the bigger draws in boxing. And for one of your biggest draws to retire at such a young age, at twenty five, not because, you know, um not because of injuries not because of health reasons because he doesn't feel he's making what he deserves to make and he doesn't feel he's promoted the way that he should be promoted you know when we talk about promotions and we talk about who boxing likes to promote they like to promote the canelo alvarez they like to uh you know uh, shakur uh devin haney javante davis and rightfully so those, you know, uh, Trevor, uh, not Trevor, Terrence, De Terrence Crawford, Earl Spence, rightfully so, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, you know, and, and again, rightfully so, they are all incredible boxers, and I'm not going to go as far as to say that Tiafo Lopez is on the same level as them, but when you look at the record, when you look at who they've, who he's beaten, I mean, he's beaten Lomachenko, he beat Taylor. He beat Kami. He's 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 beaten Comboso. Like he's beaten some great great fighters. Uh, he's beaten Compa Martin. He's beaten some some good fighters. 
Tiafo obviously doesn't get as promoted and doesn't make the same amount of money for a fight that you know the previous names the the Crawfords the the Davises the Haneys the Shakers they make or Stevens Stevenson they make which now you have one of your prize boxers retiring at 25 this is huge for boxing and this is bad for boxing now yes i don't think boxing is going to just die with lopez not fighting and a lot of people are questioning the the validity of tiafo lopez's his retirement which i understand again he's young he just won he just beat josh taylor who I think was like ranked number one or number two in the in the weight class, and you know we could see a Lopez Haney fight. We could see one of those top fights, and if that type of fight comes knocking, I would be I would be interested to see if Lopez stays staunch on I'm retiring or if he comes back to the ring. Again, especially being 25 years old. But this employer empowerment thing or this this wave is not just for basketball. It's not just for football. It's not just for baseball. It's all sports. And you're going to start to see player stuff like this happen. One of your top young fighters, one of your top young faces of your sport and and Tiafo Lopez retires at a young age because he uh, feels he's not making this, the amount of money that his record uh grants him to make. So this is a this is this is a and this is a a black eye for boxing in my opinion and this is a bad look for boxing. I mean, we had this. We've had this conversation about UFC for the longest. Like there, that's why uh, Francis Ngannou went to what PFL. Francis Ngannou, who was widely considered the best pound for pound UFC heavyweight, leaves and goes to a lesser talent, a lesser talented organization because he makes more money there. You law and there was super fights about you know Naganu and and John Bones Jones. Doubt we're gonna see that now because Francis Naganu is not even in the UFC because they wouldn't pay him what he felt he deserved. And now when we sit here today, Tiafe Tiaf Tiafo Tiafo Lopez Tafimo Tiaf Tiafimo. Lopez, <laughs> who just who was twenty five and ranked one of ranked what one of the best, if not the best pound for pound fighter in the light lightweight division, retires. So we will see how that goes. 
And there you have it. That has been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I truly appreciate you guys. Um, if you want a popular podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve jerk jog, uh, joggers, the link is in the description below. I have multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Get your unpopular podcast merch today. Also, please subscribe to every listening. Please subscribe to every watching. I'm trying to get to a thousand subscribers by my birthday. I don't know if I'm, which is July. I don't know if I'm going to get there, but I do appreciate all you guys and I appreciate everything. Uh, so please subscribe. Where she's please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Subscribe to the socials, Instagram, uh, TikTok. Link is in the description below. I get I have content daily. Again, I apologize that I didn't post on Saturday. Again, family came, and you know when you're hosting family, it, it's a lot. <laughs> but I'm back, and until next time, much love.